Bible, it's right by that black lamp up there. Can someone pass me the Bible up here? I'm going to need that. Going to need that and some notes. Uh, hey, it is great to see you all. an unbelievable crowd tonight. And thank you for repping the lawn chairs hard. Um, further evidence that you are the best people that I know. Uh, we're going to be in Luke's gospel tonight, Luke chapter 18. Um, we've really just, it's, it's been random-ish, but I'm kind of calling it encounters with Jesus. Uh, when in doubt, go to Jesus and uh, some pretty good, he, he had some pretty good things to say. Um, so we're in a unique text tonight. I love teaching parables. I always have, and it's another parable um, along the way in Jesus's ministry. And our passage tonight in Luke 18 is basically telling us the story, and, and our text tells us this. It tells us who it's addressed to. So it tells us, it describes the audience, and here's how Jesus says it. This is addressed to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, Um, So for those of us who are tempted to examine the outside of our lives and kind of assess that, you know what, I'm doing I'm doing okay, I'm doing pretty darn well. Um, For those of us who are tempted to think like that, um, this is for us. So Luke chapter 18, starting in verse nine, going to verse 14. This is a parable. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Here's the story. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's ask God to help us get that. Father, through the power of Lord, of your Holy Spirit, would you make this story be more than just a story? Would you make this resonate in our bones, in our souls, and teach us something about your grace? Only you can do that. So we ask you to help, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Kaylee, my six-year-old daughter, and uh, she's in first grade, and Peyton, my, my four-year-old daughter, uh, is in pre-K this year. And they're both pretty well behaved. I mean, you know, they have their moments of trying to stab each other, you know, when one takes the Elsa doll, but the other wants it, you know, but but at school, like, we normally get decent reports. They're not, like, trouble kids, you know, yet. Like, they haven't pulled a switchblade on a teacher or, you know, called in any bomb threats. And, And as far as we know, they're not, like, selling their go-gurt at ridiculously high marked-up prices, you know, kind of gouging people at lunch. Um, but occasionally, one's going to come home and tell us about an incident, or it's going to be generally like, hey, would you get in conduct today, you know? And I think E's the highest. Jess, is E the highest, or is G the highest? E, and then there's G, and then there's S. So sometimes Caleb, like, I got a G. Well, what would you do? Or I got an S. And sometimes Peyton will have a little story about, you know, Kaylee has to do this thing in her classroom, like you move, you have a, like a clip, 
and you move the clip. I was like, did you move the clip? It's like a warning or like a verbal reprimand or if you move it, you know, too many over, the teacher gets to like cane you or hit you with a bamboo stick or something. I don't know. It's this system that they have going in first grade. So anyway, you know, we'll kind of inquire what's going on. But what the funniest part is on a day that one of them comes home and they've kind of misbehaved and, you know, maybe gotten in a little trouble or whatever, the funniest thing to do is watch the other's posture. So if it's Kaylee who comes home, uh, you know, with a not-so-great report, or if Peyton comes home with a not-so-great report, here's what normally happens. Kaylee makes sure we know what a good girl she's been, you know. So if Peyton's like, eh, this thing happened, Kaylee really, really wants us to make sure that we know how awesome she is and how she didn't get in trouble today and that her poor younger sister sadly just can't get it together, you know, like she has. And then always the next day, it's the complete reversal. You know, Kaylee has to move her clip or gets a G or an S. And then it's Peyton going, I'm glad I'm not like her. I mean, she is just a bad older sister, such a bad example for me. I'm going to grow up and sell meth now. Oh, what's going on? (laughs) But it's, I mean, it's back and forth every time. When one of them gets in trouble, well, I didn't get in trouble today. And then the other day, you know, the next day she gets in trouble. Well, I'm so, I didn't get in trouble today. I got a, I got a, you know, an E. And it's funny and it's cute. But really, in essence, it's the same thing that we do before God, apart from a right understanding of who we really are. Because our standard of righteousness seems to be based upon these big outward moral things. And so we look at ourselves because we're not selling meth, we're not doing this, and we come up with this list of things that we're not doing that are these big, moral, taboo, no-nos, and we look at ourselves, and we can always find someone who's doing worse, right? We can always find someone who's, who's doing that thing that we would never do, and so we kind of assess that, you know what, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, you know what, I, I am pretty good. But we get a glimpse of who we are in light of who this holy God is. When that happens, our posture should much more resemble this tax collectors in our text than this Pharisee, this religious guy. So that's where I want to camp tonight. And I want you to get this big point. Humility before God is required for mercy. Um, Being good is not what is required for mercy. If that were the case, we would never see mercy. Humility, genuine, Holy Spirit wrought, broken, needy before God, having the correct glasses on for the first time to really be able to see who you are. That kind of humility before God is what's required for his mercy. So, I don't have terribly long. Let's jump in. Let's look at the religious guy. So we've got a religious guy. That's what Pharisees were. They were really, really good at religion. I mean, they really were. They did very good stuff outwardly. They were crisp and clean. Look at this guy. The Pharisee, standing by himself, and even that is telling. Man, he's, he's in the center of the temple. He's by himself, you know, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a day, uh, uh, twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So this is a religious guy. And he's representing everything that's good and right. I mean, he's followed the rules. He's been a good boy. He's crushing it. And he lists out his resume before God. Perhaps out loud even. 
perhaps out loud, so that he wants people to know who he really is. I mean, he is crushing it, even going above and beyond the law to impress God. You didn't even have to, I think it was required in the law at this time, you needed to fast once a year. He's going, I fast twice a week. Um, I tithe on everything that I get, not just the first fruits, not just everything I get. I mean, he's going above and beyond being good to impress God. And yet for all of his efforts to be good, to be clean, the only person's opinion in the whole world that actually mattered, the God of the universe, saw him as unrighteous. Does that seem fair? I mean, does that seem backwards? I mean, the world, we reward people who do good. So this guy's obviously got a good record, better than this nasty, you know, bad guy, the tax collector. And yet God deems him unrighteous. Why? Well, here's a simple answer. God looks at the inward disposition of the heart and not just mere external behaviors. And this guy had missed it. Well, where did he go wrong? Well, for one, he cannot get his eyes off of himself. I mean, in two short verses, he says, I, five times. He is just reflecting on himself, 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 what he's doing. And at the beginning of the prayer, God, you know, he kind of gives God a nod. It's kind of like a, hey, what's up? It's kind of like a shout out to God. But then I want to go to what I'm doing. So, hey, what's up, dude? Let me tell you about what I've been up to. Let me ask you this. It's easy for you to hear a story about this, and you know you read the word Pharisee, and you know, ooh, I'm supposed to stay away from that. That's bad. It's easy for us to spot pride in this guy. I mean, it's almost so obvious. We go, ugh, who would say that? We would say that. And we do say that. I want to ask you, where is this same approach to God in our heart attitude? And it might not look the same. You might not come and stand in the middle of the sanctuary at Grace of Anne and go, hey, get away from me, and I'm going to pray out loud. But in what way does your heart reflect this religious guise? When do other people seem a little bit more fractured, a little bit more messed up, a little bit more needy than you? When do you put a little sticker on yourself for being better than him or better than her? You know, it's an offense to God for those of us who are believers to have that kind of posture before him because it shows that we don't understand the gift of grace and mercy. It shows that we don't understand who we are. And for non-believers to have this posture, it's very, very dangerous because it shows that you haven't yet found out who you really are. The religious guy had it all right on the outside, and yet he had it all wrong. Simple question. Could that be you? That's the religious guy. Let's look at the bad guy. So religious guy, hey, God, what's up? Uh, I got some things to tell you about myself. I'm crushing it down here. Look at verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, you've heard some facts about how hated tax collectors were. And in, 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 in the time of Christ, tax collectors were hated. Like, the closest, maybe the closest, uh, like, societal equivalent we could even come up with would be the guys in the, in the, like, the sex trafficking world. People who are exploiting people and making money and using people, uh, or drug dealers or pimps. Like, we don't even, don't, you can't even think like a, an, uh, an, an ethnic group or gender. I mean, this was a hatred. They were scum. Like, they walk in the room. I mean, think about it, if someone who was a, proud champion of sex trafficking, you know, walks in. 
I mean, do you, do you, is your natural inclination to go, hey, what's up, man? I mean, they were the scum of society. And yet, this guy leaves righteous in the sight of God? This guy leaves righteous in the sight of God. The other guy doesn't. What in the world is, is, is going on? First, look at his approach to God versus the religious guy's approach. Religious dude kind of marches right in, you know, wants people to see. He's in the center. And again, it's a, hey, God, uh, check this out. And then the prayer is all about him. It's all focused on him. It's all inward. He's not, he's just waltzing into God's, you know, like it's his living room, kicking up his feet on the recliner, being like, hey, uh, just checking in. I'm so thankful I'm not like him. Are we cool? Okay, let me go. That's his approach. And yet this bad guy, he dare not even stand next to anyone else. And he doesn't even want to lift his eyes up towards God. Think about that. He knows that he's entered into the presence of one who is altogether worthy and holy and all-powerful. This God isn't his homeboy, or it's not someone who's going to be impressed by his stats. And he knows that. He feels that. He knew that something was wrong. He knew he couldn't go near. He knew that there was some kind of a separation between him and this holy God. And so he humbly approaches him. My question to you is this. Do you really know who you are? Because the religious guy didn't. He thought he did. He might have felt a certain way. People might have told him he was this, but he didn't know who he really was. The guy who knew who he really was was this sinner, this bad guy. For the believer, God will give us as much of a glimpse of our sin as is needed to show us who we really are apart from his righteousness. And sometimes it's really ugly. And sometimes it's really painful. It's like having a deep wound and, and it being masked with a bandage. And, and, you know, if someone's ever tried to show you, hey, check it out where I got 38 stitches. It was to the bone. And they peel back a little bit. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. You don't, I don't want you to peel the whole thing back. I can't look. That's gross. We recoil from that because it's nasty. And yet oftentimes God wants to peel back all of the bandage to go, that's who you really are. He takes this spotlight and he shines it on the dark places in our hearts because he wants us to what? He wants us to long for healing. He wants to show us the wound. He wants to show us the scar. He wants to show us the stitches because he's going, all right, do you get it now? You need a healer. Guys, we can't understand the good news of the gospel until we understand just how bad the bad news is. You know, have you ever seen one of those steam cleaner commercials, like an infomercial? It's like they take a kitchen floor that looks pretty clean, they put clean water in the tank, and then they run the steamer across the kitchen floor, and then they show you the water afterwards. Have you ever seen something like that, like a little infomercial? You know, the customer or whatever is always like, whoa, I had no idea that was on my kitchen floor. Because it's like pure, clean water that goes in the tank, and then it steams a little bit, and then when you get it back, it's just nasty, black, has all this stuff in it that was hidden. Guys, when you've been visited by grace, that's your reaction to your sin. That's your reaction to who you are. You don't go, kitchen floor looks pretty clean. Your reaction is, wow, what once looked okay and clean is really filthy. Not just the things I'm doing, but the motives behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. The thoughts that I have. I don't have to do it. I just think it. 
I don't have to, I don't have to actually go out there and, and, and put my hands on this and mess this up in this way. I can just, it can just be in there, and it's nasty. That's the difference in someone who's been visited by grace and someone who hasn't. Last point is this. We have two different endings. So you have this one guy who's going, I'm good. I got nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. The other guy's going, mercy. I mean, that's all, that's all I can plead for. That's all I've got. We see two different endings. Look in verse 13 or verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, the bad guy, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the ending of the story tells us that one went home justified and the other didn't. What does it mean to be justified? Guys, to be justified is to be counted righteous. Okay, it's a legal term. So think, let's think legal. Let's think attorney. Let's think judge. Let's think courtroom. So if you're justified, that's a legal declaration stating that, okay, you, the defendant, the sinner, you've been acquitted of all charges. That means now you're innocent. That means now you're free. Uh, case closed. Court is out of session. Now go. And, and you're never going to be back in court anymore. You are declared righteous. The religious guy declared his own righteousness, and yet he was never declared righteous by God. You can declare yourself as good and worthy and righteous as you want to, but if God is not saying the same thing, you're on two totally different planets. And therefore, he goes home unjustified. Even after all his righteous acts, all that good stuff, he was still considered unrighteous. In fact, it was those righteous acts that were part of the problem. He was too busy trying to work to receive something that only is given for free. Paul even addresses this in Romans 10.3. This is what Paul says. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God, righteousness doesn't come from us, righteousness that comes from God, and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Do you know what that means? That means this, guys. If you're a child of God and the Holy Spirit has affirmed that in your heart and your mind, you're a child of God not because you said the right little prayer, not because you don't drink, not because you're a virgin, not because you do missions, you go to Grace Van, you have good doctrine, you pray, you have a quiet time, you blog, you tweet encouraging things. If you're a child of God, none of that is what has made you a child of God. You're in by the free gift and mercy found in the shed blood of Jesus on the cross for the sinner's behalf. Guys, we're bad. We've got nothing. It's all grace. It's all him. And, and the more I do this Christian life, the more I'm finding it's just about letting that fact get into our bones more and more and more and more. And what happens as a result when that happens, you're going to start being more gracious to other people. You're going to start to live more free because you're going to know, man, I didn't start this thing. I had no ability to start this thing. It's, it, it was all God. And then you're going to shift your eyes from yourself to the wonder and the amazement of the cross more and more. That's what the Christian life is. Every day you're going to discover that you're worse than you were yesterday, and yet the cross is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and more beautiful. 
Let me close with this. Um, do you all watch The Big Bang Theory? Some of you? Absolutely none of you? Awesome. This illustration is going to go super well. Um, so in The Big Bang Theory, Sheldon, do you know who Sheldon is? He's this very nerdy character who's obsessed with Star Trek. Okay, He's super smart. He's a nerd, obsessed with Star Trek. Penny is his neighbor. She's the, you know, the cute blonde and stuff. And so Penny gets Sheldon a Christmas gift. Now, instead of being happy, Sheldon's mad because he's going, you gave me a gift, now I have to reciprocate. And he's frustrated because he's got to see how big or how good the gift is to know what kind of gift he's got to give back. So what happens is she's given him a gift, and he went out and he bought three gift baskets, all different sizes. One that was kind of cheap in case, you know, her gift was cheap. One that was like pretty nice and then one that was like super nice. So he's going to, what he was going to do is she's going to give him the gift and he's going to excuse himself. He's going to go to the other room and determine, all right, based off the gift that she gave, I'm going to pick which basket to bring back to her. Well, he opens up the gift and it's a napkin of, uh, that, that Leonard Nimoy has used and signed. Leonard Nimoy is, you know, a famous actor in Star Trek. And you remember, Sheldon is a Star Trek nerd. He's a fanatic. So he even makes a comment like, I not only have his autograph, I now have his DNA. So it's a napkin that Leonard Nimoy has signed and Sheldon gets it and he's just going nuts. So he runs into his other room and he returns to the living room and he's got these, he has all three baskets in his hand. All three. And he can, he's, he's, he can hardly, he can hardly even wobble out there. He's going, I know. He's like wailing. He goes, I know, I know, I know. It's not enough. It's not enough. I'll get you more. And many of us are living like that in response to a free gift. We don't see that the gift of salvation is just that. It's a gift, a free gift to those of us who feel and see and know our need, know our sin, and we just take it and we lay it at the foot of the cross. And we go, that gift totally outweighs the scales. I I, I can't do enough. I can't get you enough to, to, to make it equal. And our doing and our comparing and our outdoing and our guilt and our beating ourselves up and our working and our working, it's not enough and it never will be. And this tax collector, at least he got that. He knew who he was and that he had no bargaining chips to bring to the table. A posture like his, guys, is what's required of us before a holy God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So my question is this, which guy are you? How will you go to your house tonight? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word because it is what tells us what is true. It tells us that you sanctify us by the truth and what we just read and heard and have dived into is truth. It doesn't matter what we feel about it. It doesn't matter what our surrounding culture says. This is the truth. Lord, I pray that your spirit would, would, in a very real way, search all of us. Because we're one of these two people. We're either okay with who we are because we're doing okay. Or we know that we've got nothing before you. And we have to plead for your mercy So will you search us, will you know us, will you show us, and then will you give us rest and peace.
May grace visit the doors of many people in here tonight, perhaps for the first time. We love you. We ask these things only in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Um, love you guys. Come be with us Friday, whether that's before the game or after the game. And then y'all have a good one. Good Labor Day. I'm sure all y'all will be at the lake. Peace. <laughs>